Father, as we come to look at your word, to engage with it, um, to um, ask questions of your Holy Spirit, to, um, to seek knowledge, um, but also connection and relationship with you through the words of Jesus. As we strive to know how to better live as your people and as your church and as your family, uh, Lord, we ask that you would give us um, eyes to hear, eyes to see, and ears to hear, uh, that we might interact with um, your Son's words, that your Spirit might open our eyes, and that we might give the glory to you, our God and King. We pray all of this, uh, Father, through your Son, by your Holy Spirit. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, and we're gonna, I'm going to read the verses 1 through 12, um, and I'm going to invite you to do, last week we did this, we did it in a response, I want to invite you to do that again. Um, I think there's great value in repetition, especially when it comes to the words of Jesus. It's very easy for us to just blow through something and not think how it connects But the verses that we're going to be focused on, um, verses 13 through 16, they flow out of um, what Jesus says in the first couple verses. So we're going to read, I'm going to read the blessed um, from verses 3 to to 10, and then I invite you to read the second part of the verse, for there or for they, that part, together. And then we're going to read verses 11 and 12 together. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And together, please. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has um, been has lost its taste, the Greek word has literally been desalted. How shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that you may see, they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Um, how many of you uh, uh, are ashamed to admit how much you love fast food french fries? <laughs> uh, there is something... now. 
I could talk about the engineering that goes into fast food, how they appeal to the fat and uh, receptor, not, not us being fat, but actual fats that we eat, lipids, um, and, and salt receptors and sweet receptors and the way that they balance the foods to provide a uniform feeling of comfort and consolation when you eat those foods. Um, I think we, we all know that comfort food is called that for a reason the foods that make us feel good. There are very few people in the world who wake up in the morning and go, you know what I really want? A Swiss chard and lemongrass smoothie. Um, There are not a lot of people that think that way. Um, However, uh, if you're like me, you're one of those people that when you drive by a place that is making breakfast food, you suddenly have this undeniable urge to go eat breakfast food. And breakfast food and Chinese food, these two things in particular, are so disappointing after you eat them. You eat breakfast, you're like, oh, I'm so full. You get up, you pay the check, and by the time you get to the door, you're hungry again. Chinese food, I literally get hungry as I'm being getting full. I'm like, it's got to be the MSG or whatever it is. Um, and it, it's, like, it's like somehow I'm still hungry. That's why Chinese food comes in huge portions. You know, you get enough like fried rice for eight people, and yet somehow you're sitting there. Um, one of the aspects of that is salt. Now, how many of you have ever... Uh, made something you expected to be... All right, let me... I'm going to commit a heresy. I'm terrified. I'm terrified of the answer to this question. How many of you people like kettle corn? What is wrong with you? (laughs) Kettle corn is just wrong. Popcorn is supposed to be salty and buttery and maybe cheesy. It is not supposed to be a dessert food. It's, It's... it's popcorn. But how many of you have ever, you know, gotten popcorn at like maybe a movie theater? And, you know, in a movie theater, they put enough salt on the popcorn, enough, enough butter, notice the quotation marks, um, on popcorn for about a week and a half. But how many of you have ever gone thinking you were going to put your hand into a nice salty bucket of popcorn and instead took out completely unsalted popcorn? How disappointing is that? All right, that is the worst. All right. Um, Salt is one of those things that we are genetically engineered to like. Um, Now, the reason is because we need salt. Believe it or not, your skin is basically a pouch to hold salt water in so that your cells can swim around in it and thrive. Um, the, 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 the majority of the fluid in your body has salt, um, table salt, sodium chloride dissolved into it and has to do with the way that your body absorbs potassium and sodium. Don't worry about it. Um, I don't really understand it, so I'm not going to try to explain it. All I know is we're, there's a lot of us that's water and that water is salt water. What do they do when you're dehydrated? What do they generally give you? Saline. Why? If you just drink salt water, does that fix No, all right? Somehow you have to get it in without getting it in, all right? Your body has a desire for salt. Now, believe it or not, the actual amount of salt you need on a daily basis is less than a teaspoon of salt. And some of you are like, teaspoon doesn't even get me started on the steaks on the grill. I have, you know, um, salt, that's pretty much all the salt we actually need, Um, by the way, in the course of researching this, I looked up what the serving size of McDonald's french fries is. Do you want to know what the, <laughs> the serving size of McDonald's french fries is 10? 
10. That's like the serving size of Oreos being two. They're like, only eat two. I mean, literally Oreos, I just open the package and just whatever falls in is good. All right. Um, just pour some milk in there, swish it around for a while. Uh, the, these serving sizes are ridiculous, but we, we have this craving for salt. And the reason is that we're actually, we're, we're built to need salt. And so we have, and there's all kinds of things about our body. The way we taste salt is different from the way we taste all the other tastes. They're different kind of taste buds. Um, there's a special protein that grabs on to the sodium and chloride, the ionic bond, and, and all kinds of fun stuff that goes on in the, in the chemistry of it. We desire salt. Um, we also are kind of fans of light. Uh, we tend to like having light. Um, my house is one of those houses that has no central like lights in any of the rooms. All of the rooms have to have like an extra lamp on the side, you know. And it's one of those it's one of those situations where I guess in the, you know when they were building these houses in the 1950s and 1960s, um, you didn't mount lights so you just kind of had them on the wall and and they're always controlled the switch always controls one or two of the outlets in the room and they are always always the most inconvenient outlet it's never the one in a corner it's always the one right in the middle of the room that like you can't put it's like you know i oh, drives me crazy um anyway uh so so we but we we crave light Right now, we're, we're in winter, and how many of you are rejoicing that the sun is rising before 7 a.m. right now? It's starting to get better. You wake up in the morning, and maybe it's not light when you wake up, but it gets light pretty fast, and it's actually staying light until, like, after you get home from work, sort of, kind of, right? Like, like it's, 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 it's starting to get into that phase, but during that period when the sun rises at, like, 9 and sets at 9.46... Um, we, we all start going, we all start feeling tired, we all start feeling worn. Our bodies need light. We need light to produce vitamin D. There's, there's, um, there's all kinds of stuff that goes, goes on in our system that we, we need this. We're diurnal. We like to operate during the day. If you've ever worked one of those crazy shifts where you work like 12 hours a day, three days a week, and, and they, they shift... They like move, like you'll work like one morning and then one night and then one day and you're useless, right? Like it, it just, they're terrible. We like to have set rhythms. We like to operate and we like to be awake during the day. Um, it's just how human, now some of us like to be awake at different parts of the day. I'm one of those people that likes to wake up before the sun, get a bunch of work done, then the rest of the house opens up. I'm ready for a nap by like 9.30. Um, and then some of you, you know, you're, ready to drift out of bed at 11, 1130, uh, you know, and, and you might stay up till one or two in the morning. Everybody's a little bit different, but we like to be out in the day. We, we, salt is necessary for life. Light is necessary for life. So Jesus chooses these two illustrations because they're so important to every single human being on the planet. Every single being, being human being on the planet needs salt and needs light. Um, did you know, uh, this is, this is just a, an interesting little bit. Did you know there are zero human societies that have not discovered fire? Fire is a universal technology because human beings like light. All right. We, we, we don't like to be in the dark. Uh, we like to be in the light. Um, we, we, you know, I mean, anyone who's been put on a low salt diet knows that human beings like salt. 
It's just how it is. We're, we're built uh, this way. So Jesus chooses these two metaphors to describe what it means to be the church in a world that is opposed to us. Because remember that the blessings, the Beatitudes, the first 12 verses that we just read are all about us being persecuted. It is all about the world being in opposition to what God is trying to do. Um, They are all about the church being distinguished from the rest of the world by the fact that we are striving to be whole and to be complete while the rest of the world is content to be broken. The rest of the world is content to live by their own standards, by their own walk, by their own journey. Whereas as followers of Christ, as the church, we are striving to be whole to be brought back together from the brokenness of the sin of the world. And as a result, we live in a world that often is uncomfortable for us because the standards of the world are not compatible with the standards of Christ. uh, I, I worked with the teens on Wednesday night. We talked about what is the distinction between something that is good, something that is moral, and something that is legal. And how do we tell when they overlap and when they do not. Because I got news for you. Not everything that's legal is good. And not everything that's good is legal. Um, there, are, there are things that there's overlap of this. And we sometimes have to live in the tension. The uncomfortable space. Of being um, standing out in the world. Of illuminating things that are happening. I want to I want to share with you three simple ideas about salt and light that speak to us being salt and light in the world. First, salt and light both are alien substances. They are different from the things they affect. Salt is one of the only rocks, as far as I know, that human beings eat. Salt is a rock. It it is sodium and chloride, which, by the way, separately are poisonous, bonded together in such a way that the human body absorbs them. They are alien to us, and yet they are necessary. Uh, Light, very rarely, is light generated by the thing that the light is illuminating. Now, yeah, okay, fireflies, they count. Uh, bioluminescent uh, algae, okay, I'll give you those. Um, those crazy fish that leave in the, live in the Marianas Trench with the dangly light bulb on their face, all right? Uh, anglerfish, um, you know, okay, but generally speaking, where does light come from? Light comes from outside of something to illuminate that thing. I mean, isn't it extraordinary that the sun, which is roughly 93 to 97 million miles away, light takes about eight minutes to get here. The sun, which is a giant fusion reactor burning, you know, giant balls of gas burning billions and billions of miles away. Um, this, as, this is, as this is burning, all right, it is shedding off electromagnetic radiation that encounters our world and literally brings our world to life. But without that external source of life, the earth would die very, very quickly. It's alien. It's, from, it's quantifiably distinct from the very thing that needs it. Salt is one of the few inorganic materials that we eat, that we consume. 
most of the things that human beings consume was were alive at some point. I know sometimes we don't like to think about that. All right, bacon was at time before it became yummy bacon, it was an ugly pig. All right, before before it became steak, it was a cuddly cow. Well, I take that back. Having seen some of the stock that's used to make our steaks, some of them are not very cuddly. Some of them are kind of... Anyway. Did you know that we are supposed to be unusual? We are supposed to be... In order for us to truly be an influence upon the world, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, can it be resalted? No, because here's an interesting thing about salt. You can dissolve salt in water, and if you heat that water, guess what you get? Salt. The water evaporates, the salt comes back. So how does salt actually lose its savor? Well, in the ancient world, they did not know that salt was actually sodium chloride. They knew it was part of halite and some other minerals, and you could get it from the ocean. But the funny thing about salt is if you get it wet, the salt dissolves in the water and it runs off. And all the minerals that are not salt stay there. Now today, we look at salt. What color is salt? White. Is salt always white? Sometimes Himalayan salt is pink and there are different colors of salt. So you get different minerals mixed in there and the the salt, the the halite, the the salt, the halite comes from the Greek word for salt. Um, That salt runs off and what's left behind is useless minerals. Can you make those useless minerals back into salt? No. You have to go find the salt. That's the way it works. Now, I know for some of you, you're surprised to discover that the salt, salt does not originate at the supermarket. Um, they're like, wait, do you have to find salt? Believe it or not, salt is mined. It's extracted from oceans, and it can be produced um, through a, a catalytic chemical reactions. Um, so salt is alien. Light is alien. We are supposed to be fundamentally different from the things that we influence. Um, we, we are, but we are not supposed to be fundamentally different in the sense that we destroy what we influence, but rather that we make, we improve, we edify, we correct, we build up the thing that we influence. Um, light, in the extraordinary balance that God created our solar system in, as far as we can tell, in the entire universe, the earth, our planet, is the one place ideally designed for human existence. If the earth were a little bit closer to the sun, like Venus, the, the atmosphere would be too dense and we would not be able to receive the light we need. It would all bounce off. And if it was a little bit further out, it'd be Mars. And nobody wants to live there, even the people that are trying to get there. Um, we, the earth is perfectly balanced for us to live in this kind of imperfect world. We get just enough light, but too much light, let the ozone layer break down or let the atmosphere narrow. And what happens? The very thing that, that light affects, it can actually destroy. It's an extraordinary thing that human existence, our, uh, our existence, the animals around us, uh, we have reception to a particularly small bandwidth of what's called electromagnetic radiation, which includes the things, I mean, it includes gamma rays, which turned Bruce Banner into the Hulk. 
All right, microwaves, radio, those are all electromagnetic radiation traveling 186,282 feet per second, miles per second. Um, they're all exactly the same thing, and yet the very narrow, narrow bandwidth of it that we see, it is necessary for our existence. It's an extraordinary thing. Um, and just as a side note, we could not have evolved to need it because we needed it before we could have evolved. Anyway. Second thing about salt and light, not only are they alien substances, they are transformational substances. They change what they touch. The whole reason salt is salty is because it interacts with the things it touches. Um, When you season a piece of meat, um, salt is a flavor accenter. Most of the spices that you put on food, you taste the spice. Salt actually chemically transforms the thing you salt. Now, not French fries. That doesn't count. It's just on the outside of French fries. That's why they're so good. All right. Um, but but when you season a meat, um, how many have ever? Uh, how many of you? How many of you really love to like make a good steak or a good chicken? Tom is nodding. He's already hungry. All right. So when you you get you get you get home from the butcher with the the beautiful piece of steak, and you go, okay, I'm going to grill this steak. So first of all, you keep it in the refrigerator right until you're supposed to grill it. That is not the right way to do it. It's supposed to bring it up to up to room temperature before you grill it. Um, but uh, you bring that steak and you just go a little salt, a little pepper, and throw it on the grill. Now you got to let that salt sit. You got to let it let it transform that meat. Um, it's got to change things that people are like, when is this restaurant open? Eric is talking about steak. Um, we, we, salt takes time because it actually transforms the thing it touches. It's the same thing uh, with light. Light transforms the things that it touches. Is there anything better than that first warm day of spring? When you go outside and the sun is shining because it's literally been raining or snowing for three months and you walk outside and that bright sun is shining and you just stand there. Now, I have a thing. I love to go first day of spring. I take my shoes and my socks off. I put a pair of shorts on. I put a T-shirt on. I just stand outside and I just soak all that sun. Now, I'll do that in the winter too, but, um, but that's when I'm weird. Uh, I, I love to, I just, it transforms you, it changes you, it invigorates you, it, it, it alters your mood, right? You feel so much better when it's warm outside. Now, some of you are weird and you like winter and you like to go s- skiing and I'm not holding that against you, but that's unnatural. Um, the, the, you know, the, it, it, summer, summer is the place to be, right? It's transformational. And it makes not just any change, but necessary change. Salt in our bodies, without the salt in our bodies, we can have all the water in the world, but if we don't have salt, we can still die of starvation. We can actually drown in the water in our, in our own bodies. Um, without the sun, our bodies don't produce, they don't do certain chemical reactions that we need. So it's an alien substance. It's a transformational substance. And, and third, I've kind of mentioned this, it's a reactive substance. Um, when you think about light, you think about how extraordinary light affects your, your brain. Uh, we were just, uh, we were talking, um, I was talking with Alana about um, when there's just a little bit of light in your room, 
um, and your brain tells you that things are the things they are not. I mean, how many of you were a kid? I know this never happens to grown-ups ever, all right? Although one time I did almost shoot my refrigerator because I thought it was something else. We won't get into that. Um, but but uh, we, you're, you're in bed and there's just a little bit of light, just enough light to kind of cast a weird shadow. And your brain tells you that that shadow is a person, a monster, a bulldozer. I mean, it really depends how you are. But your brain sees that thing. And as soon as the light is switched on, you go, oh, it wasn't that thing. Right? How many of you had a conversation with your kids going, there is no monster? <laughs> right? There is no monster. I know there's no monster when you turn the light on, but when you turn the light off, there's a monster. There is no, I'm telling you, there's a monster. You ever tried to convince a kid of something that they are convinced is true? It doesn't matter how hard you try. Your logic doesn't apply because they don't care about logic. They're kids. Right? And they see that monster. But when the light turns on, it goes away right? The light transforms the situation. It's, it's a reactive force. There is something about if you're in a really, really, really dark space and somebody triggers just a tiny little bit of light, suddenly everything, like it's, it's crazy how quick your eyes go to that light. How many ever been at a concert where one of the ushers had to come down the aisle with a flashlight? You're sitting, listening, listening, it's dark, it's listening. Everybody reacts to that one light. It's the same thing with salt. Transforms things. It produces things that otherwise would not exist. See, when Jesus is talking, he's illustrating how we as the church operate within the world. He's not saying that we as the church are just holding on to just survive until we can get to heaven. Just make it through. Just, just, um, you know, just hold on a little while longer. Just make it through. We as the church, we are not meant to be a group of people just trying to endure the terrible job because we can't get another one. How many have ever had a job that literally it was just, you walked through the door and went seven hours and 59 minutes, seven hours and 58 minutes, All right? If you've ever had one of those jobs, um, that is not what we as the church are called to be in the world. We are called to be creating reaction. We, we are called to be transforming the world around us. We're not just called to hold on and wait until some super future hope occurs. Now, trust me, I grew, up in a, I grew up in a tradition where we were desperately waiting for Jesus to show up and take us to heaven. We're like, he's going to blast the trumpet. We're all going to go to heaven and it's going to be completely different. It's going to be great. And then I got to Bible college. I'm like, wait a second. In my particular tradition, Jesus seemed to be showing up like four or five times. I'm like, I know Jesus got a second coming. But it looks like he's got a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth. Um, what is going on with this? And, and everything about our thinking was just built on, just make it until Jesus raises us. Just make it to the end. Just make, you just got to survive. That is not what we are called to be as the church. We're called to be salt and light. Now here's the crazy thing. Salt and light affect different things of the systems that they interact with differently depending on the thing they're interacting with. That means to be salt and light means that you will have a different influence in your sphere than I might have in mine. And that's okay. 
you are going to have a, a different degree of, of, of contact. You're going to have a different role. You're going to have a different place. You, you're going to, some places, some of us may fit really, really well. Just a little bit salt makes things better. Some of us are road salt. Our entire existence is just to clear the way for somebody with a plow. I mean, it just, like, we don't know. We're, we're all going to have different roles, but we all have to be active, catalyzing change in the world around us. And we have to get away from the mindset that being a Christian is all about what I acquire as an individual, what I absorb as an individual. We have to get away from that mindset and get into the mindset that Jesus said, which is, yes, the world is hostile to us, but you have an obligation, a responsibility, the gifts and the abilities to influence it and change it and transform it. Now, some of that transformation may be preaching the gospel and seeing people come to faith in Jesus Christ. Some of it may be just um, loving those who need to be loved. Some of it may be uh, influencing other believers and growing and discipling and training other believers. Some of it may be challenging um, some false pretenses or ideas or authorities and rising up against and saying, no, Christ says... It was no less salt. It was no less light for Wilberforce to challenge uh, chattel slavery, the slavery of the ownership of other human beings. It was, it was no less the work of God than uh, the voice of an of a evangelist who, who speaks to someone and they come to faith in Christ. It is no less the work of God. Both are the work of God. Both are important to change and transform our world. Both are are vital acts of salt and light in the world. So where will you be salt? Where will you be light as a Christian? You are not given the Spirit of God, the infinite, omnipotent, powerful Spirit of God, so that you can sit back and say, I'm a good and righteous person. You are transformed by the infinite, unbounded God through the eternal sacrifice of Jesus, the Lamb slain before the foundations of time to influence and transform the world around you. You are salt. You say, well, I mean, I've lost my savor. No, you are salt. You are light. You are called to be Jesus' voice and body in this world. But we as Christians, and I'll just end with this, one illustration, we as Christians, we get used to our own comfort as our default setting. We have acclimated ourselves like every one of us that got a car with a backup camera. All of us learned to drive. Anybody over the age of 25 learned to drive in a car that did not have a backup camera. But as soon as you got a car with a backup camera, you sat there and went, how was this not invented before? And then when you have to drive a car without a backup camera, you go, wait a second. That, that level of comfort with our own, we get so used to it because it's so easy. You say it's not easy to be a Christian. It is a lot easier to be a Christian today 
than it was a few hundred years ago, than it is in Sudan, than it is in most of sub-Saharan Africa, than it is in most of Asia, than it is in Indonesia, certainly. It is a lot easier for us to be a Christian here today than it is to be a Christian there. And it's very easy to fall into the comfort zone to live with all the perks and forget that we are called to be salt and light. You say, I don't like the way that the world operates in this particular situation. Then be salt and light. You say, that person down the road, they need Jesus. Then you be salt and light. To which you respond, well, God called us to love them, not to like them. But you're called to be salt and light. You're equipped. You're gifted. So do it. You say, I don't know if I can. It's Jesus who called you salt and light. Not me. Which means that if Jesus has that confidence in you, guess what? You can. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Jesus, we are your church. We're meant to be your representatives, your ambassadors, your apostles, your, your missionaries. Not just your people resting on our religious laurels, but a transformational agency in this world. Help us to just be more and more your church, to take the small steps to influence and transform the world that we are alien to. May your spirit speak through us. May your word be transparent in us. May we go forth and be your church. We pray this, Jesus, in your name.